fitness showed me how to show up for myself. You know, honoring my calendar was something I could never do. Like two o'clock, you're gonna clean the closet. You could say that on the calendar, I'm not doing it. And 9 a.m. workout class, mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel like it at nine, maybe I'll do it at five and then five never comes and here we go with this. So fitness really showed me, first of all, how to honor the word to myself. Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of The Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're gonna help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am so excited. You know our best guests come from the Todd Durkin Mastermind, and today I have a fellow masterminder. I have a fellow student. Her and I have been in a life coaching course together for about 12 weeks now. It has been an amazing course. And I have had the privilege of being partnered up with this woman to find out what an overcomer she is. And today you get to find out. Today you get to learn about somebody that came from another country, had to face multiple obstacles to overcome, to become who she is today. And I just can't wait for her to share it with you. Yvette Selva, welcome to the show. Wow, what an intro. Thank you so much, Travis. Wow. Get well, thank you. With your overcomers podcast so amazing you're changing lives travis well you are changing lives you know i it was a privilege to be partnered up with you and to get the coaching that i did you've already started changing my life i'm like wow okay i got a new accountability buddy here and and fellow fit pro uh yvette salva fitness where's that in jersey tell our uh, that's audience. central new jersey like monroe spotswood east brunswick area Okay, Overcomer Nation. So if you're in that area, stop by Yvette Salva Fitness. Yvette, if you tell everybody a little bit about yourself. As I brought you on, you know, I was sharing, of course, a little bit about how you had to come to this country, but uh, give us the background, if you will. All right, Travis. So let me see. So I came to this country in seventh grade. I'm from Spain. And um, I Really, it was like probably the most traumatic thing in my life was the culture shock of coming from Spain to America. I mean, the cars are big, the highways are big, the people are tall. I mean, I was just literally in culture shock. And I looked very different than everyone else. Like I wanted to be named Cindy, like your beautiful wife. I wanted to have blonde hair and I wanted to have a Gucci bag because that's what I saw all the girls in seventh grade had. I came from a boarding school in Spain where I wore a uniform every day to now these girls wearing like Jordache jeans and makeup and, you know, Farrah Fawcett hair. And I was just, I didn't look like anybody. And I can tell you that was the beginning of me feeling like I don't fit in and I don't like myself. That was really the beginning of my um, self-esteem really going down. And, you know, we're not wired as humans to not love ourselves. And, uh, before this podcast, you were sharing a story with me. I was thinking when I was like in 
like four years old, you know, you'd be, your mom would put the mirror up and you'd put lipstick on and you'd love yourself and you'd dance around like a ballerina. And we would, you know, you love yourself. At four, you, you, you have no concept of not loving yourself. But then as we get older, you are standing in that cafeteria in seventh grade, like, I don't like anything about myself and who am I going to sit with? And that's exactly the feeling that I carried with me my whole life. Like, I don't fit here and I need to change everything about me. Mm. And, um, I think that was the beginning of me starting my first addiction, which was anorexia. Um, all the girls were into losing weight after school. They'd go to the sauna, they'd run. And I was like, you know what? I'm very competitive and let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. And I remember that summer I went to Spain and I came back and I was 82 pounds. So I went from like 145 pounds to 82 pounds. And I was like, oh, I win, you know? But uh, that really took me down. Um, you know, food was my drug. It was, it gave me relief. It gave me the sense of control, not eating, eating, exercising, all of it. My body image was, I hate myself and I will do anything to not feel. And that addiction took over. Then I became bulimic through college. I was bulimic, anorexic bulimic. I couldn't restrict any longer. So I would binge and throw up and then I would drink. After college, I was in sales. I was a really good sales rep. But then there was a fork in the road. I got fired because of my drinking and I started to work in the nightlife. And I was, you know, in the club nightlife working environment and it was not good. And that's where I was introduced to cocaine. And I swear, Travis, I took that first line and I said, I need to marry the cartel leader today. Stop this on. I mean, it lit my everything up. I felt beautiful. Every promise that I wanted that I thought maybe being skinny would give me, it came from that drug. And I chased that high for a good five years until I lost my home. I lost my car. I mean, I was homeless. I was homeless and still working and just thinking it wasn't that bad. It took my knees. And, you know, we started with just your own self-image. Do you feel that it was like one snowball? Uh, it was kind of a cumulative thing to where you start out with the low self-esteem. And, you know, back then, we didn't have as much social media. Uh, we didn't have social media when you and I were younger, right? So instead, we're just comparing ourselves to our peers. And you're from another country. So, of course, you're going to look different than other people. And in your eyes, you want to fit in. Uh, much like kids today, they they see the influencers and the supermodels on the social media, and they think that that's what they should aspire to look like. So it went from having a low self-esteem because maybe you weren't like the others to then drinking to then drugs. How often do you think that people get caught up in an addiction because of a deep emotional wound? It's 100% a deep emotional wound. It's 100%. Travis, if they could take us in seventh grade, the nightmare of what is seventh grade, and say, I'm going to teach you how to think differently so you can practice new thoughts for the rest of your life, oh my God, my life would have been so different. And that's what you and I are doing as life coaches is showing people that they can choose to think differently. But if we don't know how to choose to think differently, all we know is what we see in our head, what we hear, see, and feel in our bodies. There's no way to change that. 
Mm. Let's talk about that real quick for the parents that are listening or for even maybe people that are in that mode right now and are struggling with their own self-esteem. How should you have been taught to think differently? Like if you could go back and talk to yourself, you know, you're struggling with this self-image, what would you have said? How would you have retrained your brain? First of all, being worthy is not optional. God put us on this planet and each and every human is worthy, regardless of your weight, your appearance, your money, your social status. That is just a given. And just to have been taught that from the get-go would have changed a lot for me. Because, you know, at 82 pounds, I didn't feel any different than I did at a 150. So for a lot of women, they may lose, you know, 200 pounds on Ozempic, but they still feel the same. Mm -hmm. They still feel the same. So it's not what the drug does for you. It's how can I change my thinking even if I'm in this new body, to feel better every day. Yeah, really good, really good. So you talked about chasing that high for about five years. You were like, I need to marry the cartel leader or something. Oh, oh, (laughs) Yeah, let's go. And uh, then you must have had a recovery journey. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, you talked about losing things. Obviously, you found your rock bottom. Uh, Maybe you can take us from the rock bottom to the recovery journey. Yeah. And let me tell you something. I truly believe that every human that goes through a real hard rock bottom, you've just gained so much strength. Like I can tell you, I'm so grateful for drugs because I might still be negotiating alcohol. Mm. And I think a lot of people that drink are in that negotiation phase because you don't hit that hard rock bottom as quickly. You know, you could drink for a long time. You could be a functional alcoholic for a long time. And as long as you work, life is good. But drugs is a different story. So I I have to say, I am so grateful I had drugs in my story. Um, And for me, it just came, I had been to rehabs for bulimia, anorexia. This is like, I'm ready for the VIP treatment, you know, at Carrier Foundation where I'd been many times. But I think for me, the last time I went, it was for myself. It wasn't to get my parents off my back. It wasn't It wasn't to just get a little rest and clean up and go back out and learn how to drink differently and maybe just do lines on the weekend. It was really like I was willing, this is the key word, willingness to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Really? I like to do Yvette's Anonymous, which is the easier, softer way, where I like to cut corners. And I did that in and out of the rooms for many years, you know? There's a there's a book in AA called As B, As Bill Sees It, and I was like that As Yvette Sees It, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we do this plan, and then we go back to the other on Monday. It doesn't work. You bring up an important point. You talk about you were finally ready to do it for yourself, because uh, as much as we want to, when we have an addict in our life, someone that we love and care about that's struggling with addiction of alcohol, drugs, or whatever. You know, we want to help them, but we can't help them until they're ready to help themselves. What helps a person get to that point where they're ready to help themselves? And I know that the recovery has been part of your life for a long time. Do you have any words of wisdom on that? If uh, somebody's listening and they're thinking of a loved one that they have, that they would love to just have them just say, I get it. I I want to do this for myself. I really believe it's just you have to get that 
I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like there's no more chase. There's no more running. Like I'm done. And until I think a person gets to that, I'm done. If there's nothing, even with, even with parents that are struggling with kids with anorexia, with bulimia, you can hide the food, you can lock the refrigerator, you can have them eat in front of you. But until they really want it, there's nothing. There is nothing. It has to be a personal journey. And once you really wanted it, I mean, how did, uh, how did that journey go? I mean, uh, how many years do we have now? I have 20 years. 20 years. Amazing. Congratulations. 20 years without a drop of alcohol or a drug. Without a drop of alcohol or a drug. And I will tell you, alcohol and drugs promise you relief. They promise you a good time with people. You get loose. They promise you all these things. But what they really do is take it all away because sobriety gives you all of that. You can get relief and go work out and feel good the next day. You can get stress relief for uh, going for a walk or talking to a friend or going to a meeting and wake up with no hangover and actually do the things you said you were going to do the night before because your problems are all going to be there. It's really about like facing yourself and learning how to handle emotions. Like when I was using good, bad, I didn't even know like the wheel of emotions that I'm learning in life coaching. Like there's so many emotions that I don't think we as humans if we've been numbing ourselves, even know how to handle. So what would you say to people that feel like they, you know, what you're saying sounds true, but I don't, I need alcohol to have a good time. What would you say to them? I would say, honestly, just try not to drink for 30 days, 30 days. If you don't have a drinking problem, you can not drink for 30 days and see how you feel. You can always go back to the drinking. I always tell people, just do a little challenge with yourself. Even if it's one week, that you don't drink one weekend. And just see the clarity that you have in your brain, how your body has energy. It's actually a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. You know, we do it, you get quick gratification, you feel amazing for two hours, and then the next day, I have no energy. I'm tired. I didn't sleep. I have foggy thoughts. Yeah. Now, some of these people would be going around, if they went around the same circle of friends, they would be going around friends that drink. Any advice on that? Should they get a club soda that looks like a drink? Should they, you know, what, what should they do in those kind of scenarios? Well, first of all, if you just want to be alcohol-free, it's very different than being sober, right? And in recovery. Alcohol-free, you just decide, I don't want to drink anymore. You might have one or two on New Year's Eve, but that's a totally different thing. And I think if you're going to be in those social events around those people, you have, like, I always have a seltzer with a lemon in it. Somebody asks, I'm on medication. There's so many things. Nobody even cares. We make these stories up in our head, but nobody even cares. You know, I'm driving tonight, whatever. I have to get up early. But if, if it's because you tried to do the 30 days and you're like, you know what? I couldn't even do three days. Then you might need to think like, there's something going on here that I might need to reach out to help, help for. Mm. With AA, like I'm not, a, I, it doesn't matter which way you go, but if you truly want recovery from alcohol, I mean, AA saved my life. AA saved my life. You know, you bring up a really, really good point there. You talk about, you know, that it's all in our heads and what people are thinking and things such as that. 
you know, alcohol is, it is a type of drug. It's like the last legal drug. It has all the effects of other drugs and all the addictive qualities of all the other drugs. However, what's unique about alcohol is it's the only one that you have to justify when you're not doing it. Like nobody comes up to you and says, Hey man, you know, why are you still smoking crack? I mean, come on, just have a little crack with us. You know, like, I mean, that would be socially unacceptable, right? But people, <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, they're going to think I'm strange if I'm not drinking, you know, like, like as if you need to go in there with some sort of, you know, excuse, some sort of justification. I have to say, you know, guys, hey, I just want to apologize up front. You know, I'm not drinking, but you wouldn't do that. Like, hey guys, I just want to apologize up front. I'm not shooting heroin tonight. Like, I mean, you wouldn't do that, right? You know, but it's just such a, such a social norm that we often do psych ourselves out about it. Like, well, what story will I have? How can I explain my, my, my not drinking, right? That's so crazy. That's such a valid point. And just to go back, you just, you just uh, re reminded me, like, I remember when I drank around eighth grade and I started to go up the social ladder in high school, it all happened because of drinking. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be cool. If you want to be cool, you're going to be with the drinkers and a thing, you know, and it is crazy because it's a social thing. Yeah, it is. You know, in fact, I have a friend that uh, is, is a recovered alcoholic and he does this thing at the parties that he has where he gets these bottles and you won't even know that they were non-alcoholic wine. And the reason he does is because he just, he doesn't want to be offered a regular glass of wine and he doesn't want to explain why he's not having a glass of wine. And so uh, I was impressed to see these bottles because like you really have to look for it to understand that they're like 0% alcohol. There is a, a few different variations out there. And like you say, you know, I can have a seltzer with a lime in it. And, and you know, quite often you don't have to explain anything anyway. People aren't really going to ask you or badger you about it. However, there are ways to where if you feel like I'm going to be at this networking event and everybody's going to be drinking and, you know, maybe I'll have a non-alcoholic wine. Maybe I'll have a club soda with lime in it and, and you know, Make it a non-issue, right? So very yeah. good. You know, yeah. Go ahead. And one other thing I was thinking too is that and I know if, if you want to start taking alcohol out of your life and just this, whether it's you want to go sober or you just want to just, you know, just reduce the intake, I think social really starts to look different. You know, mm -hmm. I used to go out for six or seven hours and be the last person at the restaurant or the and, you know, after two or three hours of being, you know, socially, you like need to recharge, you need to go home. It's very different when you don't have that, that, that's, that sauce, that magic sauce that makes the, you never want it to end because yeah. when you're not drinking, you know, two, two and a half hours at a party and you're like, okay, everyone's starting to, you know, their ties are all on their head and everyone's starting to dance. <laughs> oh, it's making sense. You're like, oh, you know what? It's not as fun to be around. Right. Sure. And, you know, so it's a little different. And, you know, we're launching this podcast uh, just before the new year. And so when you think about your upcoming 2024, what does it look like to live optimally? If you have an optimal life, you go to bed at the same time every night. You you wake up at the same time every morning. You have a routine, maybe a routine where you start your day with gratitude and exercise or whatever the case might be. And, you know, you just can't have that same optimal life. If, you know, one night I'm up till, you know, halfway through the night or into the wee hours of the morning, uh, it just doesn't work that way. So I guess you have to determine what is most important to me. Is it my health? Is it is it this grand life that I'm trying to live? It, and can I live it better if I 
have these practices and what helps support those practices, not being the guy with the tie on your head <laughs> wouldn't be one of them, right? So that's really good. Hey, you have a fitness business and fitness is a big part of your life. Off the air, you told me that fitness saved your life. What did you mean by that? Absolutely. So the way I think of fitness, you know, fitness kind of was part of my addiction in, you know, when I was in the anorexia and the bulimia. But as I started to turn into recovery, it just showed me like when I was drinking and drugging, I was always like, yeah, Monday, like on the bar stool, like all these big plans and dreams that were going to come true and nothing ever, you know, fruition, nothing ever was executed. And um, fitness showed me how to show up for mm. myself. You know, honoring my calendar was something I could never do. Like two o'clock, you're going to clean the closet. You could say that on the calendar. I'm not doing it. And 9 a.m. workout class, mm -hmm. I don't know if I feel like it at nine. Maybe I'll do it at five and then five never comes and here we go with it. So fitness really showed me, first of all, how to honor the word to myself, mm. me uh, discipline, and it made me feel good every single time I did it. So, you know, as a, as a junkie, a feel-good junkie, I always wanted to get that high from Coke. I get that now from lifting weights, from, you know, being in a gym around other people, from like feeling amazing, from, you know, whether it's doing the elliptical or whatever, moving my body. Every single time I do it, there's not one time I say, I wish I didn't do that. Never. And so I kind of got that as it, that saved my life. Cause it's, even if it's, I do it every single day because for me, it's like taking Prozac. I need this pill to function optimally. So that's part of my routine is exercise every day. I journal every day and I read 10 pages every day. Every day I do those three things. Those are good practices. Let's say that again. So every day you exercise, every day you journal, and every day you read 10 pages in some sort of uh, genre always of a personal development. Always personal development. Like, uh, like my favorite books over and over that I've read, over, like Atomic Habits. Okay. Uh, the Compound Effect, Darren Hardy. Um, the Power of One More by Ed Milet. Like I keep doing the same cycle of books over and over again. And it always like, it always like atomic habits, habit stacking. So when I get up at 5.30, when I go downstairs to go do the 5.30, I have my gallon of water that was prepared the night before. So when I do the coffee the night before, I have the water gallon, I have my vitamins. I stack everything for my morning routine. So it, it flows. Really good, really good. Well, there's some gems right there for the listeners to think about, you know, what are your habits? And maybe you might want to try some of what Yvette's talking about here. Um, when it comes to uh, fitness and uh, fitness saving your life, I read somewhere that the odds of recovery increase by 50% when somebody includes fitness as part of their recovery. I mean, isn't it true, Yvette, that you get some of the same uh, feel-good hormones from fitness and endorphins uh, that we would get from a drug or from alcohol? It's 100% true. It is 100% true. Because, you know, I didn't get sober to, you know, just go to meetings and eat donuts and smoke cigarettes because, you know, that's an option and it's an option. Yeah. But I want to be better. And that is mentally, spiritually and physically. You know, you don't get a get, get out of jail card out of any of those three, you know, and by reading, you, you remain teachable. I always want to learn. That's why with this life coaching program that we're in, like learning, communication skills, listening, you know, question, all those things 
make us better. Really good. Really good. Well, speaking of life coaching, what made you want to get into life coaching? I know that you were into it already before we were in this course together, as was I. I did the Robbins Madonnas and Sedona Soul Adventures and different things like that. Uh, but what made you uh, want to get into life coaching? I always wanted to help somebody like heal your own wounds. So I feel like I wanted to help any woman that felt like me. I felt like in, in group fitness, I taught group fitness since I'm 16, like that image in my head was like the back row girl. You know, I always felt like the background back row girl. No, don't put any attention on me. I'm not beautiful. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no coordination. And I want to bring that girl to the front. And that was my image with life coaching. Like any woman in their 50s who feels because of their age, they're invisible or they can't get a job because they're not tech savvy or their kids left and they're only known as Sarah's mom. Like now what? Or they're newly divorced and they, they don't even know how to take a picture for the dating website or those people. Those are the people I want to help or the people, the mom that drinks every night, just one or two glasses. But it's like, I really need to stop this or the woman who you know, lost 200 pounds and doesn't know how to feel good inside our new body. Mm, that's so good. So you work with a lot of women like that, women that struggle with their self-image, uh, women that possibly struggle with alcohol addiction, um, women that, uh, you know, just uh, don't feel good inside, right? I mean, that would be kind of the people that you serve the most, would you say? Yeah. And in my business, you know, I, I own a personal training studio for women and it's I cater mostly 40 and up. You wouldn't believe how many women are taking Xanax every night, drinking, and Adderall to wake up. And this is common pharmacy prescribed, but they know, like, I'm doing this a lot. Like, I, I need something to, to live every day of my life. I need a substance. And there's a different way. Yeah, really good. Really good. So tell us, uh, when it comes to the mission that you're on and the legacy that you want to leave in this world, what is it? Take my mess and make it the message. That is, make the mess the message. Because I believe if there's a breath inside of you, I, I should be dead. I knew it in my head. I said, by 30, I'm going to be dead. But I believe if I could change my life around from being homeless to getting sober, opening a business, you know, having kids, having relationships, friendships, all of this, you know, if I can do it, I feel like anyone can do it if they have the right support and the right tools. So good. So good. You know, they say that you don't go through anything significant unless it's to be of benefit to other people. You know, that from the pain that we go through, that God can give us a great purpose. And it's clear that God has given you one and that you are open and that you are receiving anybody that's knocking at the door. Uh, that's just so awesome. How do people connect with you? I mean, how do, is there a, a website? Do they connect with you through uh, an email address, uh, do they, you know, Facebook, social media? How do you, uh, how do people find you that maybe I'm listening today and I'm like, oh God, I'd love to connect with this lady. She sounds like she's got some of what I want, right? Yeah. And first of all, anyone who reaches out to me just has an inquiry about anything. If I can direct them, no charge. I just want to direct you in any way I can to help you. Um, my website is YvetteSalvaFitness.com, and that's also my handle for Instagram and Facebook, Yvette Salva Fitness. Okay, awesome, and we'll put that in the show notes. So if you had advice to give 
and I know you do, so I shouldn't even say it like that if you had some. I, I know that you've got over 20 years of experience in recovery and you're an excellent life coach. Someone was struggling with addiction or body image. Is there more that you'd like to say? What haven't I asked you today? What would you? No, would you want? I think something you said, Travis, in one of our life coaching meetings was that you can't read the ingredients from inside the can. Mm, not true. Was that you who said that? Well, I don't want to take credit. I think that I, I got it from uh, one of the ladies in the course, either Kelly or Lizzie, but uh, it's very true, right? You know, you have- like you see your can and you're inside and you can't see the ingredients. So I feel like if you can't, you have to get help from someone so that they can give you clarity of what's going on in your head. Because we, if we cannot notice our thoughts, we can't change them. So sometimes it's just stepping out of our own brain and asking for help, whether it's a licensed therapist, a life coach, whatever, whatever it is that's going to work for you. But for someone to give you maybe a different perspective, you know, you have red glasses on and then you say, oh, I'm going to wear these pink ones and I'm going to see this totally different. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my favorite quotes as well is when you change the way that you look at things, the things you look at change, right? Don't tell me who, Dwyer. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's uh, with the Wayne Dyer there. Yeah. The yeah. 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 With the hat. Yeah. I like, you know, you and I could have been twins, I think. Uh, he's just a little older. But uh, yeah, you know, and that's the truth, right? We need somebody to help us have a fresh perspective. And that's what life coaching, that's what talking to somebody's all about. So definitely some encouragement there from you, uh, Yvette, to to talk to someone, right? Uh, you know, get that fresh perspective. Um is there anything that I haven't asked you yet today that uh, I should have asked you? Um, I just want to say that you completely inspire me. I am so privileged to know you. And what you're doing in this world is just amazing. And I'm just grateful to be part of your your little podcast here today. And your 3-3 journey and what you're putting out in the world is just it's truly amazing. Oh, those are kind words. I really appreciate that. That means a lot from you because uh, I am grateful to have you in my circle. I got to... I got an accountability buddy there. So thank you for that. And thank you for being on today's show. All right. Thank you so much, Travis. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah! Come on!